Hey guys, my name is Nicole Escobar and I am your host. I am also the director of Trees of Hope, which is a nonprofit in South Florida that exists to train, educate, and equip parents on how to protect the children in their life from being sexually abused. We also offer survivor-led healing support groups for victims of sexual abuse. We want to welcome you because this is our podcast. We hope it encourages you. We hope it inspires you. And we hope you leave here knowing that hope is real, your story matters, and that you are more than just a hashtag. So let's get to our next episode. Hey guys, welcome back to episode three of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. My name is Nicole Escobar and I am your host. I'm here with my co-host, Mariah. Hi. Holly. Hello. And Kristen. Hello. We are so happy to be here. Hope everyone is doing amazing today. On this episode, we are going to be talking about how to write a personal mission statement and why having one is so important for you to thrive. So the reason I came up with this idea is because I am a part of a leadership meeting um, that's been going on for the past couple of months. And it's called Life Work Leadership. If you live in South Florida, the website to check it out is lifeworksouthflorida.org. When you think of this program, it's like an accelerated MBA meets spiritual development. So every month we have a guest speaker, we have case studies, and um, this one particular month, uh, we had this guy come in, his name was David Brown, and he was the CEO of Lens Crafters back in the 90s. And for those of you that don't know what Lens Crafters is, it's a huge um, eyeglass place. Is that where you get your glasses? I'm Mar- going to. <laughs> Mariah, <laughs> wears yet. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah wears glasses full time. So just wondering. It's And they say they, they're very reasonable. They're the fastest creator of glasses. Oh, cool. That was their whole, hmm. that's not what he talked about the whole time. But it was one of the points that he made was not only do we create fast glasses in a very short period of time, but we do it with excellent customer service, which I don't know. I didn't have glasses when I was a kid. But his presentation was about um, having a personal mission statement. And he talked about the essential elements of leadership. And one of the main topics that spoke to me was how to have absolute clarity about what you want to be and what you want to accomplish with your life. He explained that there are four parts to creating this type of clarity. So first, having a compelling, energizing vision, then having a powerful mission, then having clear values, and last, having a strategic plan in which, you know, that's like your action steps in order to achieve progress toward your vision and mission. So the minute I heard this, I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely need to do this. And then I said to myself, our listeners absolutely need to hear this information because it was so good. So before I get into it, Holly, Kristen, can you please tell me as mental health professionals how a personal mission statement can help someone, especially a survivor of sexual abuse? I think um, a lot of time, or rather, when I think of someone having a personal mission statement, um, I think it can give um, purpose where there may not have been purpose, felt like there was purpose before. You know, so it's almost like um, 
to something it's like almost like hopeful to focus on because I think when you're um, before maybe you even start the healing process you may not even be aware that you need healing or you may be aware that something is wrong and you're not sure what um, and I think things can seem kind of chaotic it doesn't always appear that way there's sometimes too where I think the way in which people have kind of survived before even knowing is to really focus in and um uh, on whatever is going on in their lives. Sometimes that it could even look like overworking, that kind of thing. But having a personal mission statement, um, kind of a focus of where who you are and what you want your life to be about, I think can be very powerful. Yeah, I agree. I love that. Um, and just to piggyback kind of on that, I think so many times when we first walk into owning our story or getting help for the abuse or whatever we've walked through, our lives are so small and we've convinced ourselves that we aren't worthy of anything bigger. So I think to come in and to own your story and to also see the bigger picture, while that might be really overwhelming at first, so I do want to put that out there because um, I know for me in particular, thinking of like the long term was really overwhelming in the beginning because really I was just trying to get through moment by moment of really starting my healing process. But it also gave me that, like Kristen said, that hope, you know, to that, that my life could be more than this. Because yeah. I think for a very long time, I got so stuck that I just thought this is the best I'm going to do. This is my life. You know, this is as far as I'm going to get. And that's all that I have hope for. I like that a lot, actually, Holly. Um, when you guys were talking, what it reminded me of is even if you like an, a mission statement could be an evolving thing, right? So for this season of my life, this could be my mission, my goal of healing or um, going to a support group or whatever that is, or really dealing with what has happened to me. That could be one section of or season that I'm going through and that I deal with that then. But then in three years or maybe six months or whatever, I can have a new mission and a new plan and a new vision for my life because then I've actually walked through healing and I'm way more healed than I was before and I can see things differently. I mean, I know that's, mine's going to be ever evolving. I'm not going to have one and be like, this is it because <laughs> oh, I'm going to be changing. I think that makes a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. though. Have you guys ever watched one of those movies where they have, it's almost like they break it into chapters. Yeah. It's like seasons of their life and they say, okay, so this season I call... I think I feel like the movie is the pursuit of happiness. I really feel like that was the one that sticks out to me where he did that. Yep. You know, this season I call this or this time period or whatever it was. But there's something really interesting about that. So, yeah, we are all growing and ever evolving, so to speak. So it makes a lot of sense to me for it to change. Mm hmm. It's the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith when mm-hmm. he. OK, that was yeah. a great true movie. story. Yeah. Wow. Good. It's movie. a beautiful movie. Okay, so thank you guys so much for that feedback. Uh, So the reason why I wanted to have this info on this episode is that I thought how powerful would it be if survivors of sexual abuse took the time to get their minds off their abuse and start digging deeper into who they are and what they were created to do with their life. So you don't have to be in a leadership role for this info to apply to you. Actually, we are all leaders in some way, no matter what title you hold. Leadership doesn't mean a title. It simply means being a person of influence. So if you are a survivor, you have the great opportunity to educate parents or other adults on how to prevent sexual abuse from happening to their families and the people that they love. But you also have the ability to have a voice for other survivors who haven't found their voice yet. And I personally think these two roles are the greatest responsibilities we have as survivors. So first, if you've never heard of a mission statement, let me explain what it is. 
mission statement helps define a business or an organization's identity and purpose and can go a long way in helping the company cast vision for its future. At Trees of Hope, our mission is protecting the future from sexual abuse and healing the past wounds of the sexually abused. Our vision and what we do is fueled by that mission. So every project that we have, this podcast, everything we do at Trees of Hope is fueled by that mission. So a personal mission statement is meant to help you identify your goals and find the motivation to accomplish them. So now let's define what a personal mission statement is. It's going to define you as a person. It identifies your purpose. It explains how you aim to pursue that purpose and why it matters so much to you. Um, According to Dan Miller, author and career coach, he wrote this really great book called Blue Like Jazz. When I first became a Christian, it was one of the top reading books that I I really, I loved so much. Um, He has a online coaching thing that he offers to leaders and really just anyone who's looking to advance their career. So he talks about a good mission statement for yourself should include the following things. Your skills and abilities, so this would be what you like to do. Your personality traits, this is how you operate. Your values, dreams, and passions, why you want to do it. So just like a company's mission statement, it should be short and to the point. So before I continue more on having a personal mission statement, I wanted to take a minute to explain more about boundaries and why having a personal mission statement for a survivor is so important. So I took this content from a great book that I'm reading right now called Heal for Life. And the author talks about boundaries, and she says that um, boundaries are largely formed in childhood. How a child is treated by others shapes how their boundaries are defined. So when a young child's needs are met and they feel safe and secure, the child develops and understands a healthy sense of personal boundaries. In contrast, abuse and trauma in early childhood can rob a child of the sense of safety and the need to explore their own identity. Any type of abuse, physical, emotional, or sexual, is a boundary invasion, and victims of abuse experience a loss of control over their own bodies and lives. Children who grow up in homes that don't function well in terms of communication or understanding where physical, mental, and emotional boundaries are not respected often become confused, vulnerable, and insecure. Sadly, these children often do not even attempt to defend their rights to individuality as they have not learned they have any. Violent acts of assault or trauma and extended periods of emotional or sexual abuse have significant enduring negative effects on the development of boundaries. Children who have been abused often are not allowed to or are never given the chance to learn their boundaries. For example, when a child is sexually abused, This leads to confusion over the very basic rules of ownership of the body. Instead of learning that their body is their own and no one else is allowed to touch it without the children's permission, they learn that their body is to be hurt, abused, or manipulated by others. They learn that their bodies are not their own. Their boundaries are variable and non-existent. So Kristen or Holly, why is this so important? What are, I mean, do you guys agree with everything that, that I just talked about about boundaries and just give me some feedback here yeah I mean boundaries are so important and like it says here when a child has been abused or experienced trauma they don't even know what a boundary is 
And you can't just like skip over that and then eventually learn that later on in life. You have to go back and figure out how to even create a boundary. And a lot of that, I think we've talked on previous episodes, is even having a voice. You know, so so many times in trauma and abuse, a child doesn't have a voice. And so I know even for me as an adult, when I first started my journey of healing, I didn't have a voice. And that's still something that I struggle with a lot of times is like, okay, am I speaking up for myself? Am I just pleasing to make people happy? Like, where is my voice? You know, I'm, I'm an almost 40 year old woman and sometimes I still struggle with having a voice. So when we can have the children go back and really not just have a voice, but be heard and to be validated so that then they know their voice matters, you know, and what they say matters. Just wondering, what would be like an exercise to bring someone back to that and kind of teach them boundaries? I mean, so a lot of times in the work that I do um, in the playroom, there's a lot of limit setting because these kids like to push a lot of limits. They like to um, really see if they can trust you. So that's the biggest part of the work that I do is they want to push you and see how far they can go and if they can really trust you. So we actually will model, like a lot of times it's like, okay, buddy, like use your words. Like, can you tell me what you need? And then they use their words and then we just like are really like, that was great. Yes, you can have that. Yes, you can have that. And we teach parents like to say yes more. So like for their kids, especially these kids in foster care, they've heard no so much. They heard no when they needed a bottle. They heard no when they needed a diaper change. So one of the biggest things we do is we're like, learn how to say yes. You know, and I know you can't always do that, but there's so many ways that you can change it so that there's a yes in it so a lot of our kids will have insecurity around food so right before dinner they might want a snack oh i want this snack okay buddy yes you can have that as soon as we're finished with dinner you go put that on the table next to your plate and if you're still hungry afterwards you can absolutely have that you know so just little things like that to learn how to say yes so that they can see that their voice does matter and that those needs are being met you know because none of their needs have been met yeah i really like that that's i should have gone through that (laughs) so just um an example a real life example of how boundaries were set for me when i first started seeing a counselor so i had gone there it was my first session and she clearly could pick up that i was coming for boundaries i i i didn't know how to say that at that time i wasn't like hi i'm here because i lack boundaries i basically was giving her all my junk and it was clear that i lacked boundaries So as I was leaving, she said to me, I don't answer text messages. If you're running late, please don't text me um, and make sure that there's a 24 hour window if you're going to cancel. So I was like, wow, she's harsh. But that helped me a lot because I recognized, okay, with her, it's not a friendship. This is a professional who's speaking into my life I'm paying her for a service we're not gonna sit here and be singing kumbaya together and you know being best friends now fast forward later on in life um I invited her to my wedding and she told me no and I was like oh my gosh that's so wrong like how could you're you've become so close to me and she did ended up showing up for the service just because she wanted to honor me and my marriage because she had sat through a lot of us going together. But she left after and she took me aside and she explained, I'm leaving because it, I need to set that boundary. Mm-hmm. And I actually will say that that taught me more than anything that she may have taught me in those lessons mm-hmm. for five years or four years or whatever. Because what I realized in that moment is that with this person, there's a clear cut boundary and she's comfortable with giving me the clear cut boundary. So I need to do the same with other people to set my personal boundary with them. And it really helped. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. 
So although it hurt for like, you know, I felt like, oh my gosh, she doesn't want to be around me. No, she because she loved me the way she did, she chose not to come to certain things because she didn't want to blur that line. So I, I respect I love that. that. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, Mariah, do you want to mm-hmm. add anything here? Yeah, I think that when you hear those, like the lists, like especially as a child being abused, you were never safe to be who you were ever to even discover who you are and discover those things you're good at or have any kind of nurturing of a gift. And so like taking like me to this day will still have a hard time to say if I'm uncomfortable, like if I'm uncomfortable, I just kind of bear it and then, then it gets too far and then I have to just be in a horrible situation where I just have to get it out, you know? And I wish that wasn't so. I wish I could, I look, like you said, I look on to other people that are just so assertive and just like you you just feel safe even in that. So um, in regards to even like seeing vision for your life, if you've never been safe to be who you are, which is kind of how I feel, like I've never been, I've never felt comfortable in my own skin. I've never been comfortable with someone saying like you could do this and automatically I'm like no I can't and getting kind of annoyed that they're trying to force that out of me but they're not forcing it out of me they're trying to show me what I have to offer and so if you see that a child's never been safe to be who they are it would make sense why this can go hand in hand with a vision and purpose for your life Um, because for the longest time they haven't seen that there's any purpose in them being alive. Mm. I love that. Mm. I mean, I love, I'm sad that you feel that way, but I love that you're so self aware. Yeah. And so may like, tell me what in a situation could you do to tell yourself that you do have a voice? And if you do feel uncomfortable, like what could you do? Um, well, one just realize I'm uncomfortable and have some kind of plan to maybe one talk myself through it first and say things like you have every right to to say how you're comfortable or not comfortable and it'll show kind of like if this is an unhealthy relationship if they kind of discount that which has happened to me before and back then I'm just like oh like I kind of just give up and cower not cower but I guess and just kind of like oh where now when I think about that specific situation I can see myself saying no like get out kind of thing I'm uncomfortable you being here so um but still it's actually in specific relationships that I find the hardest someone that is harder for me to like hurt their feelings so putting their feelings before mine when I'm not control I'm not in control of how they respond to my boundaries and to this day I don't know what to do just saying those things to me to myself (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and I just want to add to this. What's really interesting, too, is that if you've learned to set boundaries later in life, you will notice that so many of your friendships don't respect boundaries because you attract people that suck the life out of you because you didn't know how to say no for so long. So I've found in my life that there have been friendships I've had to let go of as I continue to heal and to learn that I needed boundaries. You know, there's those people that cannot accept that. And a lot of times that ends the relationship. But being brave enough to say, you know what, I'm important enough to have healthy boundaries. And if people can't respect that, you know, then Mm -hmm. maybe that relationship needs to come to an end. Mm So true. I'm thinking of like a couple of friendships so of that that I I totally would agree with. But I do want to say in honor of those friends who do respect our boundaries mm-hmm. once they start to see you have them. Like just a simple thing. I, I just cuz it came to my mind was um at night. I don't if someone texts me after like 11, I try not to respond, right? And I have a couple of girlfriends that they'll go on and on and on till late into the night. So I have told myself to stop texting because I need to be in bed, you know, by 11, at least 11. And so I'll respond in the morning. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep. And I make sure that it's clear when I don't respond, it's because I'm in bed. Right. And so it's a dumb, small little move that I make, but I could respond. I'm probably up for another more hour, but I'm choosing not to because I don't need to be engaging that late at night in just silly conversations. So the boundary for me is going to bed at 11. And I think a couple of my friends picked up on that. So they stopped texting. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love it Mm -hmm. because I know other friends that will just keep going. And it's like, okay, I'm obviously not responding. It's kind of those type of people you have to be completely direct. Yes. And that's the hardest part. And someone, it's like they're they're trying to find the person that doesn't say no to them. I have to say, though, in the um, Boundaries book, literally the book called Boundaries mm-hmm. by Cloud and Townsend, who that's a book I recommend to a large majority of my clients. Um, anyways, it's talking about saying yes to what's good for your life, saying no to what's not, and the fact that you have the right to do that. A couple of things. They um, start out somewhere close to the beginning of the book um, giving like a metaphor for boundaries and saying basically we all have like a garden or a yard that we're responsible for. In that garden and uh, yard, um, it's that's our emotions that's our life those are our life choices and everything so a lot of times i'll do that with clients i'll say okay so if you do have a garden or a yard that you're responsible for that involves that's all yours that's your emotions your life choices everything how you feel what you're thinking how does that look right now and so so many times that resonates with people very quickly and they're able to see oh my goodness i have people in my garden who are planting flowers for me that i didn't ask them to plant flowers for me in other words trying to fix things trying to make you a certain way um there's no fences like there were fences before they're all knocked down or for some people the fences are 30 feet high you know all the way around um they're over in someone else's garden because they're trying to fix someone else. They're not even focused on what actually belongs to them. I mean, you can just see how the picture can go from there. Mm-hmm. And it's just really telling of kind of like where we're at. Because it, also that picture can be very empowering if we're recognizing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my goodness, I need to ask some people to leave. Or um, please, you know, wait at the gate and I'll let you know if I want to invite you in. Um, you know, I need to get back over to my garden and tend to it there's weeds there's things that are dying and and so forth and you know I I, it's okay for me to go and like focus on that so it's you can go really far with it 
I love that garden. garden. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Gr- it That's is awesome. really great imagery to a great metaphor to give you kind of a picture of like, mm. where am I at? Check on where you're at with boundaries. You know, it's hard. It can because it can be confusing. And the other thing is too, the authors also talk about later in the book there is a difference between hurt and harm. Mm. Sometimes when we put boundaries into place, um, people will be hurt by those, but that doesn't mean the same thing as your, as you harming someone, Mm. you know, that's a, that's a different thing. And I think once you, and this sometimes takes time to recognize that, particularly if you've struggled with having boundaries in the past, or it was never taught to you to that you're allowed to have boundaries in a proper way. A lot of times you're going to end up feeling like you're harming someone because you said no, because you said, I'm not okay with that. You know, because you asked that person, please get, you know, I'd like you to step out of my, my garden. Um, you know, you're doing things that I haven't asked you to do that kind of thing. So, but once this is kind of, you kind of work on healing and refining that and choosing going back to what we're talking about here, the mission statement, right? Like what your purpose is, what you want your life to be about, then, um, then you're going to better at some point, you're going to better be able to identify, Oh, that may have hurt their feelings, but I'm not harming that person. Mm. That was the right thing to do for me. Yeah. That was the healthy thing to do for me. And this kind of gets more blurred, I think, when it's having to be your family. That's oh, that <laughs> absolutely. Yes. It's it like, can get real messy. Yeah, I'm like, okay, because one of the things when I moved out of my house and I got married, um, I realized I have my boundary line was real high or real thick or whatever you like want to say. Like the wall, right? Around well, your garden. Yeah. Like yes. my dad <laughs> Don't you come would in. call and, and I'd be like, um, I'm not picking it up and Raph would be like why aren't you getting that and I'm like I just saw him on Sunday and he and I'm like he needs to understand that we don't need to talk every day and it's the truth I still feel that way but maybe I could like lighten up a little on my boundaries and so my dad has asked me like I feel like you're real distant and I'm like it's boundaries dad and so I that's also an unhealthy thing right mm-hmm. is like maybe when you put too many boundaries that you mm-hmm. sort of because I was just thinking no one's in my garden and they're not coming in yeah and i'm like oh maybe i've pushed too many people away because i i'm like yeah you were taking too much well and here's what i would say too what we tend to do is if we are at one extreme where there's no boundaries and anyone can do whatever they want and we're not even sure what we stand for what our standards are right um a lot of times if you look at that that's an extreme when we change when we realize oh wait what's going on my life's out of control i don't know what i'm doing we tend to go all the way to the opposite extreme mm-hmm. it's like a pendulum and i've described described this to a lot of clients too we do tend to swing all the way opposite exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying everybody get out the walls are up you know don't talk to me don't you dare text me <laughs> you know 1101 right um <laughs> that kind of thing and it may seem a little extreme but what happens is a lot of times we need to do that to gain our bearings and then eventually we'll come back to the middle which is a little more balanced Hmm. it's okay it is okay to swing to that other extreme sometimes particularly if you've been at that one really unhealthy extreme it doesn't mean that landing there at that other extreme is the right um, place to be forever but a lot of times it's a very natural motion to change Mm. yeah uh when that whole conversation happened with my father i told i kind of said that to him i said dad i've lacked boundaries for so long that um putting them in place feels like i've really distanced myself from everyone but i haven't i said i'm just trying to protect myself right now and it was really confusing for him because he was like from me your father (laughs) kind of (laughs) (laughs) and um 
I'm trying and I'm trying to in my own mind and for myself because I want to have good relationships with my family is to how do you get to the how do you get back to the middle like what do you put in place to be able to get back to the middle yeah I think it's different for everyone but I think some of it's just being comfortable like to be able to designate oh I'm not harming this person this may hurt their feelings but this is just what I need to do for me You know, it's almost, that's like a good kind of barometer Mm -hmm. of where you're at is, can I say no when I need to say yes, when I, when I would, when I want to, without it being driven by guilt or shame. And I recognize sometimes I may hurt someone's feelings, but that's not what my intention is. Like I can kind of live with what my choices are. I think that's when you know you're, it's a little more of a balanced place and understand too, that even though you've made a boundary, you can change it as well. Just like the mission statement we were talking about before, right? That that may evolve or may change. That is absolutely your right. Sometimes again, when we go to the other extreme, it's like, nope, this is the boundary. That's it. It'll never change because if I change it, there's something wrong with me. I'm doing something bad. Everything's going to get out of control again. But a more balanced perspective is it's okay. I'm, I'm absolutely allowed to make that, that choice because this is my life. It's okay to take those 30 foot walls and like, okay, I'm ready for like 15 foot walls. Hmm. Okay. I'm ready for like, all right, they can be like 10 feet. All right. Five feet. I can see over them a little bit. See who's actually knocking. That's good. And I think for me, you know, I struggled a lot with just saying no, like I wanted to be everything for everyone. So for me, one of the tools that I really use is like taking that moment. So instead of immediately saying, yes, I want to do that. Taking a moment to say, I'm going to get back to you. And then I can reflect, like, is this something I really want to do or do I feel guilt into doing it? Am I afraid that they're not going to like me if I say no? You know, and if it's not something that I truly want to do and really fits into my life, then taking that time to be able to then go back and say, you know what, I thought about it, I prayed about it, I talked to whoever, and my answer is no right now. You know, and for me, that helped me because my immediate is always pleaser. Yes, 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 I want to do it. Yes, I want to be there for you. I want to be everything to everyone. Um, and then I would burn myself out and then I would end up ghosting everyone and just hiding because oh, I would be so overwhelmed. True, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. True. I've done like, that where too. Where did Holly go? I'm so overwhelmed. Well, I love all this feedback, guys. And this is honestly why having a personal mission statement is so important for a survivor. We want to see you grow and move past your abuse. And in order to do that, most survivors need clear-cut boundaries or what we are calling clear-cut mission statement. So it doesn't matter what your role is in life, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, store manager, college student, business exec, truck driver, whatever. Having a personal mission statement will serve you well and keep you safe. It's important because it helps you focus on how to meet your long-term goals and it serves as a guidepost for where you want to go in life. Mariah, did you Yeah, Yeah, I think like, I think this is so important because just what I've experienced in life is part of moving out from your past and moving forward after you're starting to heal because you're always for me I'm always being drawn back to that place and so just having vision for my life even now like knowing we were going to talk through this and I'm like like people always ask me like what do you want to do in life how do you where do you see your life it's still so hard because before I even dealt with everything I've always said like I just feel not grounded to life I feel kind of like a leaf just drifting. I don't know what I really want to do. And a lot of it is because I didn't feel like I was significant enough to have any purpose in life. And that feeling small, like, held me back from even dreaming. 
and I have a hard time dreaming and dreaming up things that um, are like something I can see my life going towards and like um, exciting things and exciting things ahead or whatever and I think just having that sense of um, general lack of focus coming from that feeling like not even of purpose myself of value enough and um, so like now you know those simple things for me is just every year when it's my birthday I have at least a word for it like and and it's simple as like just to be brave this year to be brave to be adventurous you know to sow my wild oats or something like that (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) just like I guess like take chances and not be afraid to invest in fun things because like just valuing that and valuing my life to do that and that I'm worth it and to experience new things and not feel guilty for that so I think even when you have this sense like we were talking about with kids for so long not being okay with who I am and not be allowed or other people telling you who you are then doesn't give you permission to be something different than that and so yeah I think just like it's like an underlying thing of my identity and how do I identify myself and what am I taking on that someone else said I am and how can I discover truly like without pleasing anyone else like if I decide to be something different can I stand in that regardless and just see what happens so it's a hard one for me. I'm still like, I don't know what vision I have for my life. <laughs> but if I really sat down and looked at it, it's happening, like naturally, as I heal, as I find my voice, as I see that I'm not small, I'm not insignificant, I'm not dumb. Like I just, I doubt myself constantly. So yeah. Yeah, that's actually a great um, thing to do for your birthday every year. I love that you said that. So one other person told me they did that, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do that this year. Like that. something like that, because it will help you even just know what you want to accomplish. And when something scary comes up, like, for instance, take a risk, like risk taker for this coming year. So if I'm asked a question like, hey, Nicole, will you do blank? I can channel it through that lens and go, yeah, I think I can, if I can. Like, if I can't, I can't. Like, if it's jumping out of a um, a plane, don't ever ask me to do that because I don't care about risk. I think that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, thank you so much for that feedback. I really, really appreciate that, Mariah. Thank you for being vulnerable with us in that area. So for me, a personal mission statement keep me keeps me from wandering off. Um, I am a dreamer. I dream a lot, and I noticed it lately. Like especially when I was journaling, I was literally writing in my journal, and then two seconds later, I just was like looking at my phone, and then I was like, "Wait, focus, girl! Like you were just sitting there doing something." <laughs> so, you know, I make a lot of decisions throughout my day. Who should I spend my time with? Um, who? Where do I go? And what do I do? And now being the president of Trees of Hope, there's a lot of things that I used to do that I shouldn't really do anymore. Um, just for example, I actually haven't done this in a really long time, but 
a lot of my friends make posts on their Facebook or whatever about their political views. And I'm never going to say mine, but a lot of them are like very hateful. And I want to so bad write on there, like, shut up or like, why don't you stop being such a jerk or something, you know? And it was funny. I sent my brother a text message. I screenshot what I was about to write on something. And he goes, dude, you can't do that. You're the president of the trees of hope now. Don't forget my brother's not a Christian, okay, and who really could care less about what I actually do and don't do, but I appreciated him saying mm. that to me, and since that time, he, it's really edited me down. Like, I'm not, things that I used to get involved in, I don't need to get involved in anymore because of this new thing I'm doing. So um, just because a something sounds cool or something is a good idea or what may sound like a really good idea doesn't mean that I have to bring it into my life. And so that's what having a personal mission statement is going to do for me and has done for me. So now let's look out how to write a personal mission statement. So first, take some time to think about some of these areas like what you like to do, how you operate. So the first thing I would suggest you do is do a personality test. Um, I just recently did the Enneagram test. I'm an eight, I'm a challenger, and there's some really cool people that I really respect inside that eight. And um, I've actually, almost all my friends are eights. What are, have you I'm guys I'm the opposite it? of you. What are you? I'm a two. You're a loyalist, is that a loyalist? The helper. Helper. I can see that. And I can under see stress, that. I'm a nine. Okay, so under I stress, I'm a three. The, yeah. Yes. So, oh, what he calls it in the book called um, The Road Back to You is he calls it the seven deadly sins, but he had to add a couple because obviously there's more to, there's more sins in the Enneagram because there's more Enneagrams than sins. So um, the, the biggest sin for an, uh, mine is lust. So you should mm. look up what yours is because okay. it's not truly lust. Like I'm not sitting here like looking at guys being like, yes, but I'm um, lusting after yeah, what others have. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and wanting to be like that. I know mine's something like, I know it's boundaries. It's definitely one. And also like not asking for help. So yeah. like two is like always checking on them because they're the ones always helping people and not letting anyone help them. Okay. <laughs> Check on your two friends. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I, it's a count. Not that you, I don't see that in yeah, you, yeah, but yeah. like you're the, like a counselor in you. Um, like I'll ask you, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm good. How are you? But you really ask like, and I'm like, no, I just asked you how yeah. you were doing. Yeah. Tell me how you you're doing. It's like really pushed me to yeah. get into the depths. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So have, has anyone done a personality test here? And did you feel like it was accurate of yourself? Yeah. And yeah. I'm a six. You're six? And when I read it, well, someone read it out to me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel so exposed. <laughs> and it was interesting. It really was. A lot of, it's the loyalist. I the think loyalist. Yeah. I can absolutely yes. see that. I can see that. And uh, it talks a lot about suspicion, like being suspicious. And I was like, no, I'm not. And then as I think about things, like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm always suspicious, Ooh. you know? Ooh. So interesting. yeah, it is very interesting. So yeah, it's not to it's not meant to put you in a box. They talk about that a hundred times, but it is just a guide to point out certain traits that you could have that you relate to with Mm. what that number is. So I was really proud to have that challenger, but there is a negative part of it, which means that like I abuse my power to make people do what I want them to do, and I can completely see that Mm. too. So, 
Okay, so then the third one is, what are your dreams and passions? So we want you to think about your life's principles and your goals. Also, why did you set these goals? How did your goals make you a better person? A good mission statement will be two or three sentences, 50 words or less. The key is to remove the fluff and get down to the point. So the next step after you've created a mission statement is now you want to put that mission statement into your life. So once you have it written, start using it. Don't hide it away so you never see it. It's kind of like, you know, making a workout plan. (laughs) If you actually don't work out, it doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So this is the same um, idea. So um, frame it. Put a copy on your home office, at your house. I put things on my car, on an index card, and in my car. So, Mm. because I I find like my most sinfulness comes out in my driving. And if I just had that mission statement right there saying like, you know, you're a compassionate lover of others, I would be like less prone (laughs) to riding someone's tail and being like, did you just cut me off, dude? Um, Okay, so then the other thing is to tell all your friends about it. Um, These are your accountability people. These are the people that are going to hold you to what you truly say your life's mission is. So tell your husband or a wife or a counselor. So I just recently sat down with mine and I went over that this process that I was doing this and she was really excited for me because um, it actually spurred in her to do it for herself. And um, she thought it was a really great idea. So next time I see her, I want to sit down and say, okay, these are the things I've thought through. I want to actually write it together with you so some of the things I'm doing is I'm just putting words on a piece of paper that I think define me so I started with um, brave bold courageous fierce Um, then I put on the other side of things I want to be and that is more sensitive more gentle more loving more understanding more kind Um, I'm not putting any negative things on there because it's not important but now I'm going to figure out a way to bring these sentences together Mm also like some of the things that I'm a creator I'm a teacher so then I'm going to start making it based on those things that I've already written down so now what we want to do is go over some good examples of mission statements that I pulled from DaveRamsey.com so this is Oprah Winfrey to be a teacher and to be known for inspiring my students to be more than they had thought they could be I love that almost want to steal that from her Sir Richard Branson, he's the um, founder of Virgin Group, to have fun in my journey through life and learn from my mistakes. Well, he's known as one of the greatest leaders of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's up to debate, but I think he's a pretty good leader. And I love that he wants to have fun. And when he makes a mistake, it's to learn from it, not to beat himself up over it. It kind of like, I wish I can combine those two (laughs) together and make one. Then um, Amanda Steinberg, founder of Daily Worth, to use my gifts of intelligence, charisma, and serial optimism to cultivate the self-worth and net worth of women around the world. Mm. That's real good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a couple mission statements from some well-known nonprofits. The Mayo Clinic is to inspire hope and contribute to health and well-being by providing the best care to every patient through integrated clinical practice, education, and research. Real good. Then um, Habitat for Humanity is seeking to put God's love into action. Habitat for Humanity brings people together to build homes, communities, and hope. That's good. Then the last one is public broadcasting system to create content that educates, informs, and inspires. So now it's your turn. 
So you take it from here. We encourage you to go home, take these steps, start writing out your personal mission statement. Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And why do you want to do that? And we're going to do that too, right, ladies? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just remember that um, a mission statement is your map. And remember that life is a journey and that all you're doing is creating a roadmap for yourself and how to get through life. So we hope this episode was great for you. We hope you learned a lot. So we will see you next episode, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.